Hi there, and welcome to this special virtual Love Feast celebration presented by the Dunkerpunks podcast. My name is Emma Bukowski Aldred, and I'm one of the regular hosts of the show. We are so, so grateful to you that you would take a time out of your holy week to join us for a moment of reflection and sharing and worship. You might remember that this is our second virtual love feast. A year ago, as churches were emptying their pews and figuring out how to reconcile the health and safety demands of physical distancing with the social and communal experience of worship, we put together a special episode of the podcast. Our goal was simple. We wanted to recreate the traditional love feast service that churches were forced to put aside. We hope that we could offer listeners a chance to learn about and reflect upon the traditions that they were so, so sorely missing. And a year later, we are still aching for those traditions. Like our normal podcast, the one we created a year ago was mainly an audio-only experience. But that got us thinking. If that's what a Dunker Punks podcast love feast sounds like, what would a Dunker Punks podcast love feast look like? This time of joyful worship and singing, updated tradition, and story sharing is one answer to that question. Just like last year, we want to recognize that a virtual Love Feast service could never replace Love Feast. This is a worship service that is built around physical touch, as well as fellowship around the table. And those two just happen to be two of the least pandemic safe practices that there are. So this is not intended to be a replacement. It is its own thing which I think is exactly what a Dunker Punks podcast love feast would look like. So we are delighted to invite you into this sacred time of worship and story. We welcome you to experience this love feast service in your own space and at your own pace. Please find a peaceful, quiet place to participate. And we encourage you to invite the people in your household to join you. When it's time, we will invite you to pause and enjoy a simple meal if you've prepared one. If you haven't, don't worry. For now, let us prepare our hearts for worship and renewal. Hey everyone, as we gather for Love Feast today, I'd invite you to sing along with me that love can change the world.
everyone, my name is Kiana and I have been a Dunker Punk for longer than I can remember. It's Love Beast! Love Beast has always been one of my favorite Brethren traditions. I got involved, started to get involved in the Brethren Church when I was about 15, so still in high school, and I remember thinking like, oh, feet, like this is gonna be weird. Um, you know, like most teenagers do, but I also remember feeling so immensely loved in that moment and in that space um, and that's always been such a big part of the memory for me is seeing these adults that I trusted kind of become allies and friends um, and really started to let my walls down and let that community take me in and I think every year as it comes around it's a really nice reminder to become centered in why we do what we do. It's been a year at home for most of us. Um, I'm really proud of everyone. I'm not sure that we hear that enough right now, but um, it's been really hard. So I'm really, really, really proud of you. I am coming at you today from Portland, Oregon. Um, I spent the beginning of my quarantine with my mom on Whidbey Island in Washington State and moved to Portland, Oregon uh, in September of last year. And I'm hoping to settle down for a little bit. Um, and not move again for a while. Um, but wherever you are, wherever you are calling home, I hope that you have been able to figure out, finally take some time to create a quiet space. Uh, maybe it's in your head, maybe <laughs> maybe it's in your house. Um, maybe your house is empty and it's just you and it's quiet all the time, or maybe you really have to fight for some silence and some privacy in your really loud and rowdy house. But um, for me, realizing that both of those things can be equally difficult and we need to value ourselves enough to allow ourselves the time of reflection um, for what this past year has been for all of us um, and to others who aren't us. And also looking forward. How are we going to go forward with the love of God in our hearts? How are we going to be like Jesus when we get to see people again and or if we're gonna stay quarantined for a little bit longer. As we center ourselves in this time of opening reflection, let's listen to some others share their past love feast experiences. So the love feast that sticks out in my memory is um, from right after I moved to Northern Virginia. We moved in uh, on New Year's Eve of the millennium. I was uh, expecting and had a 15 month old. I was a stay at home mom and I was really desperate for connection and friendship. I attended Love Feast basically two months after having moved here. And uh, I sat at a table with a delightful older woman who was also at Love Feast alone. Uh, we shared communion together. We washed one another's feet and we formed a kind of intimate friendship from those two acts of service to one another that would have taken years to accomplish just sharing a pew together. Every Sunday, I looked forward to sitting next to her. She became my East Coast grandma. And all of that happened and happened so quickly because of this moment of worship, of service, of vulnerability that can only happen at Love Feast.
One of my most memorable love feasts didn't actually happen in a Brethren context. For a few years, I lived in central Maine, and there weren't many Church of the Brethren congregations near me, so I worshipped at a lovely little UCC congregation in Waterville, Maine. One year during Lent, I mentioned to the pastor that I missed being so close to my fellow brethren, and that I especially missed our tradition of love feast, with foot washing, communion, and a simple meal. Well, the pastor encouraged me to consider leading a service that would introduce this United Church of Christ congregation to love feast. So we gathered up basins and towels, planned for a simple meal, rearranged the fellowship hall, and in a congregation that averaged about 60 on Sunday mornings, a third of that congregation showed up to learn about and participate in their very first love feast, washing each other's feet and all. It was a joy to introduce our beloved brethren tradition to a new community of Christians. Brothers and sisters, uh, I greet you in the name of Jesus, Lord. I'm Patrick from the Church of the Brethren in Gisen, Rwanda. Uh, I'm blessed to have this opportunity to share with you about the first love feast in Rwanda. For me, it was very meaningful to be part of the love feast in my country. I have learned many things in the love feast I did not never know before. Uh, like uh, the time of preparation, it is the first time. The time of the preparation is where people reconcile together and they love together. Some confess their sins. It is the first step to start with in the parts of the love feast. The second I have learned is for the feet washing. The feet washing, I have understand that it is the time where people wash their feet together. Then after it shows the humble, to be humble, to serve in humble, to serve in love, to be a servant like Jesus Christ who came here to serve, not to be served. Another thing, uh, the third step is the meal. How the people shared the meal together. We get together, we congregate together, then we brought the meal, we share together. It is very good, meaningful. The, uh, that shows the love in the people. That shows the love in the members of the brethren. Another thing, it is the fourth step, uh, the Holy Communion, where uh, we get after uh, taking the food, uh, taking the, the meal together, we continue to go at the Holy Communion. Those steps, four steps, I have learned that it is very important in the life of the believer, in the life of a Christian, and it is very meaningful to me. My name is Jen Hauser, and I'm one of the pastors at Crest Manor Church of the Brethren. I'll never forget my first love feast when I started attending a Church of the Brethren congregation in grad school. I was familiar with foot washing from having Mennonite relatives, but was nervous that it would be really weird or I would accidentally kick the person washing my feet. I ended up sitting next to one of the older women in the congregation. She must have sensed my nerves as she told me 
not to be nervous. That foot washing, while it is a weird phenomenon, it is a powerful act of service that can be truly meaningful. I didn't end up kicking her, and her acts of service via comfort and foot washing put me at ease. After she washed my feet, we stood up and she hugged me and told me, Jesus loves you, and so do I. This was one of the first times I truly felt at home in a church filled with people who barely knew me, but still loved me as Jesus does. Behind me, you see the lake at Camp Emmaus in Northern Illinois. I'm over 40 now, somehow, and I still remember a love feast with my friends from camp. Those camp-made connections and memories live on inside ourselves, don't they? I'm Matt Riddle with the Arlington Church of the Brethren. But I remember love feasts before that before at that camp with the Neighborhood Church of the Brethren, uh, where my favorite pastor I've ever had served, Pastor John. I just called him dad. I also remember the basement at Highland Avenue, the fellowship hall at the Franklin Grove Church of the Brethren, where I first pastored, many other places too. Now I'm in the geographic space of Arlington, Virginia, yet joining in this virtual space with all you Dunker Punks listening in. If you're listening to a love feast online, you know, we're all, we're all Dunker Punks today. For me, it's not about one meaningful love feast, but rather the accumulation. And more than just the accumulation of my own memories, see, this doesn't matter if it's your first or second love feast. We enter into this meaningful space as equals, and we share it together with others who have you know, shared it with others, who have yet shared it with others, and so on. And so we're grounded and rooted and involved in this heritage and story of love feasts, a lineage of love feasts that includes Alexander Mack, but dates farther back, all the way back to that very first love feast where Jesus sat with disciples. And so we sit now with each other. Thank you all for sharing your stories. Love feast is a worship that is full of symbolism. And even in podcast form, our intent is to center ourselves and our lives around the love of Jesus. In the olden days, um, elders would go around and encourage everyone to right any wrongs in their community before coming to Love Feast. So to really come with a clean slate and an open heart, um, spring vibes, if you will. So for that reason, we are going to invite you into a time of confession. Um, for me this year, I think with my interactions with others being so limited, uh, I found myself really starting to feel bitter and alone, um, you know, watching everything, things that I couldn't control, the pandemic, the death tolls, the racial violence. And as much as everyone was experiencing these things, it felt like I was alone. But 
as I see my community come together for these things and um, so many of my brethren community, sisters and brothers inspire me with the work that they do. Um, and Love Feast just comes around to remind me that about all of the love that I feel, the immense, immense, huge love that I feel in this community and with God. And when I center my life around God, the love that I feel come back to me. Um, and so I just invite you to uh, let Jesus love you and let yourself feel love. And as we lean into a time of confession and righting our wrongs, we will be led in prayer by Jonah Near. And I invite you to reflect on yourself and this past year and, again, who we want to be going forward and how we want to project the love of Jesus going forward. Amen. You come. You have Verses 1 through 15. Now, before the festival of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world and go to the Father. 
Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The devil had already put into the heart of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray him, and during supper. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he came from God, was going to God, got up from the table, took off his outer robe, and tied a towel around himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was tied around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered, You do not know what I am doing, but later you will understand. Peter said to him, You will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, One who has bathed does not need to wash except for the feet, but is entirely clean. And you are clean, though not all of you. For he knew he was to betray him. For this reason he said, Not all of you are clean. After he had washed their feet, he put on his robe and returned to the table. He said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set you an example that you should also do as I have done to you. Era antes de la fiesta de la Pascua y Jesús sabía que había llegado la hora de que él dejara este mundo para ir a reunirse con el Padre. Él siempre había amado a los suyos que estaban en el mundo y así los amó hasta el fin. El diablo ya había metido en el corazón de Jesús, hijo de Simón y Zacariote, la idea de traicionar a Jesús. Jesús sabía que había venido de Dios, que iba a volver a Dios y que el Padre le había dado toda autoridad. Así que, mientras estaban cenando, se levantó de la mesa, se quitó la capa y se ató una toalla en la cintura. Luego echó agua en una palanga y se puso a lavar los pies de los discípulos y a secárselos con la toalla que se llevaba en la cintura. Cuando iba a lavarle los pies a Simón Pedro, este le dijo, Señor, ¿tú me vas a lavar los pies a mí? Jesús le contestó, Ahora no entiendes lo que estoy haciendo, pero después lo entenderás. Pedro le dijo, Jamás permitiré que me lave los pies. Respondió Jesús, si no te los lavo, no podrás ser de los míos. Simón Pedro le dijo, Entonces, Señor, no me laves solamente los pies, sino también las manos y la cabeza. Pedro Jesús le contestó, El que está recién bañado no necesita lavarse más que los pies, porque está todo limpio. Y ustedes están limpios, aunque no todos. Dijo, No están limpios todos, porque sabía que no iba a traicionar. Después de lavarle los pies, Jesús volvió a ponerse la capa, se sentó otra vez a la mesa y les dijo, ¿Entienden ustedes lo que les he hecho? Ustedes me llaman Maestro y Señor y tienen razón porque lo soy. Pues sí, yo, el Maestro y el Señor, les he lavado los pies a ustedes. También ustedes deben lavarse los pies unos a otros. Yo les he dado un ejemplo para que ustedes hagan lo mismo que yo les he hecho. For I have set you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Dunker punks, it's that moment we've all been waiting for. That peculiar practice of ours where we follow Jesus' example. We soak those souls, massage those metatarsals, and wash the feet of our sisters, brothers, and beloved non-binary others of Christ. But before you break out that towel and basin of yours, we wanted to invite you into a slightly different practice 
this love feast. It's still going to be rooted in the same radical love of Christ, but maybe with a little less foot funk. See, as dunker punks, we often focus on the service and humility side of foot washing. After all, Jesus, the Messiah, the Prince of Peace, the Son of God, the Alpha and Omega, ties a towel around his waist and assumes the role of a servant when he washes his disciples' feet. So, service and humility are certainly a part of this story. But right now, we invite you to think about whose feet Jesus is washing. Jesus was working his way, one disciple after another, washing and drying their feet. And then he comes to Simon Peter. Ah yes, Simon Peter, so profound and yet so clueless. Just as Jesus was washing every other disciple's feet, every other disciple's feet, he comes to Simon Peter and Peter asks, Lord, are, are you going to wash my feet? Pete, what does it look like I'm doing? You, you will never wash my feet. No, Peter, you don't get it. Unless I wash... Okay, okay, if you insist, feet, yes, but don't stop there. My hands and my head could use a little scrubbing too. Peter, unless I wash you, you have no share with me. You have no share with me? Jesus, don't you know who you are talking to? This is your disciple who will deny you. He is your friend, Jesus, and he is going to desert you when you need him most. Why would you want him to have a share with you? Then Jesus says to Peter, One who has bathed does not need to wash, except for the feet, but is entirely clean. And you are clean, though not all of you. For he knew who was to betray him. For this reason he said, Not all of you are clean. Wait, Jesus is... Does this mean that you wash the feet of the disciple who will betray you? I mean, Peter is one thing, but Judas? He's going to rat you out, Jesus. He's going to trade your life for a sack of money. He will bring you to death. And you washed his feet? See, the foot-washing radical love of Christ is one that precedes the wrong, endures the wrong, outshines the wrong. Dunker Punks, for our foot washing this love feast, we invite you into that radical, foot washing inspired love of Christ. Just as Jesus continued to journey with his denier and his betrayer through that act of foot washing, we invite you to think of that one person who you really just don't get along with. For your own well being, don't think of someone who makes you feel unsafe for this activity. But Think about that one person who you just never seem to see eye to eye with. Think of that person and then reach out to them. Maybe invite them to a COVID safe Zoom coffee date. Maybe just send a couple of messages back and forth, whatever it is. Find some space to understand them deeper and give them the gift of you just listening. Ask about their family their childhood, their ups and downs, and wash away the stereotypes and judgments that keep you from learning to journey with them. The point is not to convince them of why they are wrong, it's to convince yourself of why they are a beloved child of God. So, no foot washing this love feast, but you'll still get to do something kind of peculiar. Find some time in the coming week, reach out to someone who you don't see eye to eye with, and follow the example of Christ's radical, foot-washing-inspired love.
that of my dear fortune As thou didst break the wall John 15, 12 through 17. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask in, in my name. I'm giving you these commands so that you may love one another. Mi mandamiento es este, que se amen unos a otros como yo los he amado a ustedes. El amor más grande que uno puede tener es dar su vida por sus amigos. Ustedes son mis amigos, si hacen lo que yo les mando. Ya no los llamo siervos porque el siervo no sabe lo que hace su amo. Los llamo mis amigos porque les he dado a conocer todo lo que mi padre me ha dicho. Ustedes no me escogieron a mí, sino que yo los he escogido a ustedes y les he encargado que vayan y den mucho fruto y que ese fruto permanezca. Así el padre les dará todo lo que le pidan en mi nombre. Esto pues es lo que les mando, que se amen unos a otros. Hey, Dunker Punks, it's Luigi Altador from Brooklyn First Church. Love Feast is a space to reflect on the love, service, and humility of Jesus. So I invite you to get your appetite ready, to share a meal and wisdom around moments of love, service, and humility from across our Dunker Punk community. In a few moments, we will hear from a variety of Dunker Punks all around sharing their responses to some great reflecting love feast questions. While we tune in to their shared wisdom, I invite you to chow down on a shared meal. So get all of your friends, get all your family, and especially your frenemies to sit down together and enjoy this shared meal. Heavenly Father, we give you all glory and all honor, Lord, Father, we thank you for this opportunity to fellowship with this meal, Heavenly Father. Lord, we thank you for what love feast means, Lord. We thank you for this time where we can strengthen bonds, Lord, and, 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 and ask each other loving questions, Lord. Questions that allow us to just become better, Lord, to become better servants, Lord, to, to move together, to grow as a community, Heavenly Father. Lord, I ask that you bless this meal, Lord. Allow it to nourish our bodies, Lord. Provide us energy, Lord. All throughout every part of us, Heavenly Father. Lord, we give you all the glory and all the honor, all the praise. No other name, but your wonderful name. Amen. Love Feast helps us to strengthen the bonds and the spirit of harmony and goodwill. 
It's a chance to forgive past disputes and instead love one another. The meal is only one half of the time in this service. The other half is the fellowshipping part. Many churches put out cards on tables and have questions on them to help direct conversation with people around you to deeper points. Over the past few weeks, we've asked you to send in responses to make these questions to emulate this conversation. This is how we're also introduced to other members in our community and how we grow together. So here's our first question. When have you been shown great love? I have been shown great love when I learned about what Jesus did for me. He came to be my friend, my teacher, and my greatest supporter. When I read in John 16:33, I can see how his perfect love covers me. When it says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart, be courageous, be confident, be undaunted, be filled with joy. Because I have overcome the world, or my conquest is accomplished, my victory is abiding. Amen. I think the greatest place where I've shown, been shown love was with my congregation. Um, we had to do these uh, faith journeys and stories through Lent. And actually, I came out as trans at that time because my church didn't know yet. And they welcomed me with open arms. A time where I've done service or seen service be brought up was when we helped a lady uh, paint her garage and she actually made us food for helping her um, when we did it with Brethren Disaster Ministries. That was probably the coolest thing I've ever got to be a part of. Back in college, one of my friends had made cookies for the entire music department. They were sharing them out with everybody. At one point they gave one, they gave one to me and since everybody else was getting one, I just thought, oh, I'll take one cookie and then give it back. And then they just looked at me and they were like, they were, they were confused and I was confused. Um, eventually we realized there was a misunderstanding. Um, they made the whole thing for me. They made this whole bag of cookies for me. Um, and I was just kind of stunned. <laughs> I was kind of stunned and just, I mean, just the fact that like, first of all, that somebody thought of me and second of all, that they went through effort to give things to me specifically um, was amazing. And we've been really close friends ever since. This is Annalisa Gross in Indiana. During seminary, I had a very painful breakup which resulted in me losing a summer internship and my place to live. I went away to Portland, Oregon for the summer, a good place to go if you've got your heart broken. I worked as a hospital chaplain, and by the time I got back to seminary in the fall, Nancy Faust had arranged an apartment for me through somebody at the church who had a duplex, an old duplex that needed a lot of work, so she got people connected with the church and friends to paint and find furniture and replace broken lights. And I had a place to live when I came back. Thank you, Nancy, for loving me so well when I was down and out. 
The second question we've asked you is when have you seen great acts of service? I went to a work camp. I went to Habitat Humanity with my dad to a lot of work camps with my, gran with my grandpa, my brother. And what did you do there? We, we worked on like fixing things and repair things to keep the, keep the place nice and safe so other people don't, don't get hurt. Yeah. And, and what about when you're, um, working for Habitat? What do you do for Habitat? We model homes. We model like, like these houses and other places mm -hmm. too. So. And why do you do that for Habitat? Because they, they can re repair the wood and save it for for different different reasons. Yeah. One is to keep the house safe and people don't don't there's no asbestos inside the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and why would that be important? Because that can that can damage your lungs. Yeah, right. So um and who do they who do they make houses for and remodel houses for? Like like for people to live in. Right, for all kinds of people to live in, right? right? Everybody. Right. Yeah, but especially people who have trouble affording a house. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Trouble affording a house. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah, so they can have a nice place to live. Right. Great. Thanks, man. You're welcome, Jean. And the last question is, how have you experienced humility? The late and well-remembered Carol Novak once shared a story with me about a time she was in the rehabilitation wing of a nursing home, and she was struggling with this realization of realizing she had served others in her life well, but now needed to be served. So the chaplain came and through conversation learned about foot washing being a central practice of her faith and made the suggestion, it might be time to let others wash your feet. Thank you to everyone who sent in responses to these wonderful questions. I invite you to pause once again if you're not done eating and then resume playing when you're ready. Hey everyone, my name is Angela Lehman and I am super humbled and blessed to have been invited to be part of this Dunker Punks virtual love feast. I was inquiring about how to participate and I was called out for using uh, my words to all of you tonight. So whenever you are choosing to listen to this, however you have come across it, uh, know that there may be a message for you in what I've prepared. There definitely was a message for me in preparing it. We've just arrived at the end of year number one of the pandemic, sheltering in place, social distancing, and doing other things that help create a safer and healthier environment for our friends and family. And I've been doing a lot of reflecting and confessing over this last year with different intersectional groups that I am part of. Uh, and I had a couple of things that I think uh, are worth looking at, some questions that may help you determine what this last year has been for you. Have I, and how am I currently, allowing God to sustain me through this focused time of isolation 
or am I looking at it as a focused time of opportunity to retreat, to plan, to vision? We're hearing lots in the media right now and especially social, social psychology about the negative effects on our mental health of being separated from one another, the grief uh, and unexpressed anger and words and um, feelings that are just now starting to emerge after um, this long period of discomfort, truly. I heard a friend say though, what if we started to look at this more from an idea of post-traumatic growth opportunity rather than simply post-traumatic stress? I don't offer this lightly. If you are experiencing mental health concerns or you are in danger to yourself or others, I encourage you and implore you to please get help in your community for yourself and for all of us. You are valued and you are worthy of being part of our community. For me though, I'm looking at where have I become more resilient as a practice in 2020 and have started to ask myself, where does and how does this make possible something new and something different? It's not easy to practice resilience. There's a ton of material on this topic, um, but we are called to strengthen ourselves for the journey. And that doesn't just mean on our own recognizance, like on our own strength, but we are to receive from the source of all strength. And as we understand in a Christian faith, our God, the strength needed to get through difficult times. So I've started asking myself when faced with uncertainty or discomfort, as it is uh, sometimes for me in this, this day and age, what does this make possible? Not just what have I lost, but what am I gaining through this time? I'm also curious as you are reflecting on your last year as well, have you developed more curiosity about the world around you? For me, it's been an opportunity to slow down from the things that were taking my attention to truly start to focus on the things that are meaningful to me in each moment. I find myself taking daily walks, with my dog, having interactions with my teenagers and others uh, that cross my path, either informally or formally, about things that truly matter to them, to really start to speak heart to heart rather than just quickly passing by one another. And in developing curiosity, that means asking more questions, learning to know something that I didn't know before, and more importantly, reflecting on the fact that I may or may not be teachable or as teachable as I think I am. I've also been challenged this last year by creating more cultural humility. 
intentionally seeking out conversations that I once took for granted because of the color of my skin, because of being cisgendered, because of um, being able to move about spaces that I've uh, always been accustomed to and felt safe. Recognizing that my brothers and sisters may not have that same privilege has been humbling to me. And so I've begun to notice and look for places where my cultural humility impacts others in a really tangible way. I've been able to see myself as an image bearer of God, as a woman worthy of blessing, and one who is forgiven for where I might fall short. But am I offering that same humility, that same deference and awareness in my interactions with others? Do I also see them as image bearers of God, worthy and forgiven? Am I looking to build up the body of Christ or am I destroying it by not being willing to fully be present with others in their pain and their suffering? I've listened to a lot of podcasts in 2020, read many books, enjoyed many conversations that have challenged me in all of these areas, resilience, curiosity, cultural humility. One most recently was recorded from Her Story Speaks about Christian women, specifically Asian American Christian women, in light of the Atlanta massacre at the beginning of March. And Dorina Lazo Gilmore Young had this to, sh to, to share that I found resonated with the scripture that we will have as you come before God and your community and communion in just a moment. My flourishing depends on the flourishing of my brothers and sisters, my neighbors, family, and friends. Truly, it's our interconnectedness. Because there is one bre bread, the scripture says, we are many in one body, for we all partake of the one bread. So since we are one body in Christ, what does justice and growth and opportunity look like for you in your particular community? Given all of our intersectional identities, these are all ways that we are being called in this moment to respond in love to our neighbors, to our brothers and sisters and family and friends. Will you join me in prayer? Oh, holy God, we come before you humbled, resilient, growing, curious, about your plan for our lives. 
for your call upon our hearts and for that which draws us up into the next step of recognizing Jesus in our brothers and sisters. God, as we come into this time of communion, allow our hearts to be mindful of those who we are out of communion with and impress upon us an opportunity to reach out and build the next part of the bridge for connection. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. participation in the blood of Christ, and is not the bread we break in participation in the body of Christ. Because there is one loaf of bread, who are many are in one body, for we all share one loaf. Cuando bebemos de la copa bendita por la cual bendecimos a Dios, participamos en común de la sangre de Cristo. Cuando comemos del pan que partimos, participamos en común del cuerpo de Cristo. Aunque somos muchos, todos comemos de un mismo pan y por esto somos un solo cuerpo. Good evening, family, and welcome to the Lord's table, this most holiest of hours. Uh, before we go forward, I'd like to invite you uh, to pause the video if you have not already grabbed uh, the elements that you'll be using this evening. Something that I think is beautiful about Brethren uh, Communion has to do with the fact that these elements in and of themselves do not have any sort of supernatural ability. Rather, it is uh, the spirit at work within us um, that, that binds us together as the body of Christ when we eat of this bread and we drink of this cup and we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And as I was looking into uh, this, I, I came upon a, a very interesting reading uh, that I want to share with you this evening. And this comes from the book Common Prayer, a Liturgy for Ordinary La Radicals. And it simply says this, remembering, if they spell it out, remembering has to do with becoming something new, the body of Christ. 
in which we lose ourselves in something bigger than ourselves. We are remembered into a new body. When we take the elements and eat them, we are digesting Christ, or an even better way of understanding might be that we are made into a new creation as we are digested into the body of Christ. Taking communion with the community makes us into the body of Christ. As often as we take these elements, we remember ourselves into Jesus. As we take these elements, we don't simply remember Jesus in general. Uh, we, we remember his suffering. The bread is a broken body. The cup pours out like blood that is shed. Both grain and grapes have to be crushed and broken to become something new altogether. If you are what you eat, communion is indeed the act of uniting yourself with the one who lovingly suffered at the hands of his enemies. Those who ingest and become one with the suffering body of Christ, all together, all of us together, become the body of Christ. We pray as we take the elements that the blood of Jesus would run through our veins, that we would be digested into the body of Christ. The early church used to say, God became man that we might become God. Certainly none of us is God alone, but all of us are God's body together. God has chosen to have no hands but ours, to have no feet but ours. Maybe this is the greatest sacrament or mystery of our faith, that these broken pieces become one body. I just find that beautiful, brothers and sisters and siblings, that... Um, all of us, as broken as we are, come together to become the body of Christ. Uh, for this evening, I'm using um, a traditional flatbread uh, from the country of Rwanda, as well as a, a red sort of Kool-Aid. And these are the elements that are meaningful to me as my family was able to be there for the first ever love feast, the first ever brethren love feast in that country. And these are the elements that were used there. Um, as we approach the Lord's table, as we yearn to be remembered um, into the body of Christ, let us pray over these elements. Please pray with me. The table of bread is now to be made ready. It is the table of company with Jesus and all who love him. It is the table of sharing with the poor of the world with whom Jesus is identified himself. It is the table of communion with the earth in which Christ became incarnate. So come to this table, you who have much faith, you who would like to have more, you who have been here often, and you who have not been here for a long time, you, you who have tried to follow Jesus, and you who have failed. Come. It is Christ who invites us to meet him here. Loving God, through your goodness, we have this bread and this cup to offer, which has come forth from the earth and human hands 
have made it. May we know your presence in the sharing so that we may know your touch and presence in all things. We celebrate the life that Jesus has shared among his community through the centuries and shares with us even now. Made one in Christ and one with each other, we offer these gifts and with them ourselves a single living act of praise. Amen. And we read in scripture that after the meal, Jesus took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it saying, this is my broken body. It's, it's my body which has been broken for you. Do this whenever you take it in remembrance of me. And as I learned to take communion growing up in the Church of the Brethren, some older members encouraged me to um, eat the bread um, in five bites, symbolizing the five um, wounds of our Lord. And so at this time, um, I invite you to say the affirmation with me. This bread which we break is a communion of the body of Christ. Please take and eat. read that um, Jesus took the cup and after he blessed it he he gave it to them saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood shed for you whenever you consume this cup do so in remembrance of me let us say the affirmation together this cup which we bless is the communion of the blood of Christ please take the cup says for whenever we eat of this bread and we drink of this cup we proclaim our Lord's death until he comes once again and this evening I'd like to say we also proclaim um, our unity together that even as broken as we are individually we come together we are remembered into the body of Christ blessed be the name of the Lord let's close out this time of worship by singing together, I have decided to follow Jesus.
podcast love feast look like that was the question that we asked at the beginning of this worship there are some images that come to my mind it would look like joy it would look like a lot of fun it would look like the blending of tradition with innovation and it would look like people from different backgrounds and walks of life coming together to share their stories but more importantly to listen to one another's stories it would look like the old life within scripture resonating with the new life of youth to form a new significance. It would look like a bunch of people doing their best to follow God by reminding themselves that God is in our midst. So it turns out that a Dunker Punks podcast love feast, well, it's a whole lot like a love feast. And we thank you so much for coming to ours. We really hope that it's been a time of meaning replenishment. And if you enjoyed this Dunker Punks podcast experience, we hope that you will find more of them by checking out the show. We of course want to give a big thank you to all of those who contributed to this service by responding to our invitation to participate. And of course, we want to thank those who contributed behind the scenes to make this service happen. Kiana Simonson, Jonah Nair, Tyler Goss, Luigi Altador, Josiah Ludwig, Angela Lehman all contributed content. Fabiola Pineda, Kanan William, and TJ Williams read scripture. Jacob Krauss is our musician and audio video editor who also planned the service alongside Chelsea Skillan, Tyler Gosh, Josiah Ludwig, and Matt Riddle. Ali Cuny is the Dunker Punks podcast social media intern. Suzanne Lay is our executive producer. And the Arlington Church of the Brethren and On Earth Peace support the show. And my name again is Emma Bukowski Eldred, and I thank you so much for coming. Thank you.